0: Section 7 of The Rape of Lucrece. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. The Rape of Lucrece by William Shakespeare. Section 7. In vain I rail at opportunity, at time, at Tarquin, and uncheerful night. In vain I cavil with mine infamy. In vain I spurn at my confirmed despite. This helpless smoke of words doth me no right. The remedy indeed to do me good is to let forth my foul defiled blood. Poor hand, why quivers thou at this decree? Honour thyself to rid me of this shame. For if I die my honour lives in thee, but if I live, thou livest in my defame. Since thou couldst not defend thy loyal dame and wast afeared to scratch her wicked foe, Kill both thyself and her for yielding so this said from her betumbled couch she starteth to find some desperate instrument of death, but this no slaughter-house, no tool imparteth to make more vent for passage of her breath, which thronging through her lips so vanisheth as smoke from Etna that in air consumes, or that which from discharged cannon fumes in vain quoth she. I live, and seek in vain some happy mean to end a hapless life. I feared by Tarquin's falchion to be stain, yet for the self same purpose seek a knife. But when I feared I was a loyal wife, so am I now. Oh no, that cannot be, of that true type hath Tarquin rifled me. Oh, that is gone for which I sought to live, and therefore now I need not fear to die. To clear this spot by death at least I give a badge of fame to slander's livery, a dying life to living infamy. Poor helpless help, the treasure stolen away, to burn the guiltless casket where it lay. Well, well, dear Collatine, thou shalt know the stained taste of violated troth. I will not wrong thy true affection so, to flatter thee with an infringed oath. THIS BASTARD graf SHALL NEVER COME TO GROWTH. HE SHALL NOT BOAST WHO DID THY STOCK POLLUTE, THAT THOU ART DOTING FATHER OF HIS FRUIT. NOR SHALL HE SMILE AT THEE IN SECRET THOUGHT, NOR LAUGH WITH HIS COMPANIONS AT THY STATE. BUT THOU SHALT KNOW THY INTEREST WAS NOT BOUGHT BASELY WITH GOLD, BUT STOLEN FROM FORTH THY GATE. FOR ME, I AM THE MISTRESS OF MY FATE, AND WITH MY Trespass NEVER WILL DISPENSE till life to death acquit my forced offence. I will not poison thee with my attaint, nor fold my fault in cleanly coined excuses. My sable ground of sin I will not paint, to hide the truth of this false knight's abuses. My tongue shall utter all, mine eyes, like sluices as from a mountain spring that feeds a dale, shall gush pure streams to purge my impure tale. By this lamenting Philomel had ended the well-tuned warble of her nightly sorrow, and solemn night with slow sad gait descended to ugly hell. When lo, the blushing morrow lends light to all fair eyes that light will borrow. But cloudy Lucrece shames herself to see, and therefore still in night would cloistered be revealing day through every cranny spies, and seems to point her out where she sits weeping. To whom she sobbing speaks, O eye of eyes, why priest thou through my window? Leave thy peeping, mock with thy tickling beams eyes that are sleeping, brand not my forehead with thy piercing light, for day hath naught to do what's done by night. Thus cavils she with everything she sees. To grief is fond and testy as a child who wayward wants his mood with naught agrees old woes not infant sorrows bear them mild continuance tames the one the other wild like an unpractised swimmer plunging still with too much labour drowns for want of skill so she deep drenched in a sea of care holds disputation with each thing she views and to herself all sorrow doth compare no object but her passion's strength renews. And as one shifts another straight ensues. Sometimes her grief is dumb and hath no words. sometimes 'tis mad and too much talk affords. The little birds that tune their morning's joy make her moans mad with their sweet melody. For mirth doth search the bottom of annoy. Sad souls are slain in merry company. Grief best is pleased with grief's society. True sorrow, then, is feelingly sufficed, when, with like semblance, it is sympathized. Tis double death to drown in ken of shore. He ten times pined that pines beholding food. To see the salve doth make the wound ache more. Great grief grieves most at that would do it good. Deep woes roll forward like a gentle flood. Who being stopped the bounding banks o'erflows? Grief dallied with nor law nor limit knows you mocking-birds, quoth she. Your tunes entomb within your hollow-swelling feathered breasts, and in my hearing be you mute and dumb. My restless discord loves no stops nor rests. A woeful hostess brooks not merry guests. Relish your nimble notes to pleasing ears, distress-like dumps when time is kept with tears. Come, Philomel, that sing'st of ravishment, make thy sad grove in my disheveled hair as the dank earth weeps at thy languishment so i at each sad strain will strain a tear and with deep groans the diapason bear for burden-wise i'll hum on tarquin still while thou on terrius descants better skill and walls against a thorn thou bear'st thy part to keep thy sharp woes waking wretched i to imitate thee well against my heart will fix a sharp knife to affright mine eye who if it wink shall thereon fall and die these means as frets upon an instrument shall tune our heart-strings to true languishment and for poor bird thou sink'st not in the day as shaming any eye should thee behold some dark deep desert seated room the way that knows not parching heat nor freezing cold will we find out. And there we will unfold to creatures' stern sad tunes to change their kinds. Since men prove beasts, let beasts bear gentle minds. As the poor frightened deer that stands at gaze, wildly determining which way to fly, or one encompassed with a winding maze that cannot tread the way out readily, so with herself is she in mutiny. To live or die, which of the twain were better, when life is shamed and death reproaches debtor? To kill myself, quoth she, alack, what were it but my body, my poor soul's pollution? They that lose half with greater patience bear it than they whose whole is swallowed in confusion. That mother tries a merciless conclusion, who having two sweet babes, when death takes one, will slay the other and be nurse to none. My body or my soul, which was the dearer, when the one pure, the other made divine, whose love of either to myself was nearer, when both were kept for heaven and collatine? Ay, me! The bark peeled from the lofty pine, his leaves will wither and his sap decay. So must my soul, her bark being peeled away. Her house is sacked, her quiet interrupted, her mansion battered by the enemy, her sacred temple spotted, spoiled, corrupted, grossly engirt with daring infamy. Then let it not be called impiety, if in this blemished fort I make some hole through which I may convey this troubled soul. Yet die I will not till my collatine have heard the cause of my untimely death, that he may vow in that sad hour of mine revenge on him that made me stop my breath. My stained blood to Tarquin I'll bequeath, which by him tainted shall for him be spent, and as his due writ in my testament. My honour I'll bequeath unto the knife that wounds my body so dishonoured. Tis honour to deprive dishonoured life. The one will live, the other being dead." So of shame's ashes shall my fame be bred for in my death I murder shameful scorn my shame so dead mine honour is new born End of section 7